in this episode, you're going to find out how ridiculous my workout is. All right. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back to Michael Sano has a podcast brought to you by Seeing Land Fitness. That's my company. Um, and I uh, do fitness consulting. Uh, we have hats. We have merchandise. We have all this stuff. And I focus on uh, primarily uh, muscular endurance, strength and conditioning. So that lines up perfectly with what I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, today. So this won't be a super long episode. This is, and there's no script, so who knows what can happen. But basically, what I'm here to do is I'm here to tell you about what I do for a workout. So before I do that, I need to go back a little bit, um, history-wise, and tell you, sorry, that was a hiccup, and another one. Um, I need to go back a little bit and tell you about why I'm doing the workout that I'm doing. Um, and I need to, (laughs) I need to tell you why I have this little turkey gobbler underneath my chin. So, um, and I need to be honest with you guys about my weight. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I am overweight. Uh, so there are three categories. There is, you know, within, uh, I don't even know what norm, but norm is different for everyone. All right. So, uh, that's lean, overweight and obese. And my lean weight, and there, there are numbers on how you, you calculate that. So for, for men, that is a lower um, body fat versus uh, for women who who uh, physiologically will retain a little bit more body uh, body fat, and this is just due to uh, the genetic differences between males and females, and the uh, the the different physiological requirements um, for uh, metabolism. Okay. So it's not a, (laughs) I'm not trying to get into a big gender thing. I'm just telling you what some of the science behind it is. So, and it stinks. It kind of stinks for women. I feel, I feel bad, uh, because men, I think, I think it was anywhere between, what was it? And I'm going to be way wrong on these numbers. I know I am. I think it was between 10 for men. It was between 10 and 17, 10 and 15% body fat. That was, you know, that's the lowest you want to go. Um, and I think for women, it was somewhere between 15 to 25%, depending on numerous different factors, height, um, build, uh, musculoskeletal, um, dimensions and stuff like that. Different parameters, uh, will, will be causative for why someone would have be on the lower range versus the higher range of normative body fat that they should carry. Um, 
men aren't and it's funny because i wouldn't characterize it as lucky they are just different so there are different there are different natural reasons for the male body to be one way and the female body to be a different way so regardless of that i am above what would be normative uh, <laughs> i'm pretty high above but i have some interesting things about my body type so i have some uh really really large legs so um my my uh calf muscles are enormous my quads are big my glutes are really big and i don't mean i got a you know i got a fat butt or anything like that i mean i just have really large um really large glute muscles my shoulders are very big i'm six foot two in between six foot one six foot two floating somewhere there um once you get older you start to float i'm just gonna say that as if that's a fact i don't know um so but i'm i'm a large person my back muscles are very wide uh my shoulder muscles are very wide i have large traps compared to uh, i'm a freak basically <laughs> genetically i'm a freak so that's okay that's not a big deal but what it does is when you go according to the bmi scale i get skewed very far to the right i get skewed very far towards the higher end of that scale and that's what i mean by differences so let's say you have a woman we'll go back to the the uh the the example of the woman and i think i gave these arbitrary numbers of 15 to 25 percent so let's say we're doing that so you're gonna have a woman who's more athletically developed um her percentage of body fat on the bmi well, no, that actually wouldn't affect that. But what I'm going to say is that she, it, it, it could be any number of reasons. You know, it could be genetics. It could be her parents, grandparents carried heavier weight in their hips, in their abdomen, in their legs, all of that. And we're not just talking about what is, uh, um, uh, adipose tissue or fat just right under the skin we're talking about the uh the visceral fat that's around the organs and stuff like that so it, it, that's why the range is there because genetics makes it um sort of a crapshoot when it comes to how much you're going to get and how much you're going to fight and i don't mean fight in the sense of your normative body fat is going to establish itself you know what I mean? Your body, you're going to find if you eat a, a, a well-balanced diet within your caloric range, your body's going to store a specific percentage of adipose uh, fat cells just because it likes to have them. Okay, so we've taken away the fact that, you know, overeating uh, takes some of that fat and just turns it right into... Um, unused or not unused but stored energy okay um we're not we don't have that uh uh excess so your body's just now just in a normative fashion creating uh, and storing uh adipose tissue now mine 
I don't know exactly because I have always struggled to reduce the body fat that is on my body. So, so it, it's been pretty difficult for me to get a genuine understanding of what the normative fat percentage on my body is, but I'm working on it. And one of the things that occurred was I was not this past winter, but the winter before was working out throughout the year. And then I did this, I think it was a squat that I was doing. And I wound up with this really, really bad, bad, sharp, very acute, boom, pain in my, uh, immediately in my rib cage that traveled into my abdominals, into my glutes. And, uh, it was like this chain reaction of pain. So basically what happened was it, and what it wound up being was I had in the way that I had lifted the barbell with the weight on it had sort of bruised the bone and maybe even, maybe even gotten a, a fracture, like a little hairline fracture in it. Um, didn't even know that that was a thing, but apparently it is a thing. It's called a stress fracture. And I've known about stress fractures, but I never thought of a stress fracture stress fracture in the middle of the chain. Usually it's at one end or the other where the body says, oh crap, I can't do this. And that's what happens. So I was eating at a specific level, but then once I injured myself, continued to eat at that level. Um, I didn't have any guidance. Uh, it's easy to say, well, you should have known better. But I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have the luxury of being in the program that I'm in now and know that, butthead, you got to stop eating when you're not working out at all. So um, I gained about 30 pounds. And I'm figuring that, and, and then on top of that, over time, gained even more weight. So I'm going to sh probably shock you guys right now. So I'm going to have a cup of sip of coffee. Hold on. Peter Madeira, this is for you. He has been a lifelong uh, fan of all the work that I've done. So that coffee's for you, brother. So I'm figuring because when I was deployed, when I was in the army, and just rocking it, rocking it, rocking it, doing, you know, being active, consistently wearing uh, body armor in, in the, uh, the field load that we had and our weapon and everything. I was around 235 pounds. So I'm figuring 225, 235 is my normative for my frame and for my normal musculature. I'm figuring that's about how much I should weigh. Um, 225 to 235, that nice 10 pound range. And you always want to give yourself a range. So let's say if you have a goal and you want to get down to, um, this weight, or you want to get up to this weight, you need to have an elastic goal. And what do I mean by that? That gives you range. So 225 to 235, you can, because you have to take into account water weight. You have to take into account um, 
the poop that you're carrying. You have to take into account all of these different uh, physiological factors that will cause your weight to fluctuate. And that's why it should not be a scary thing to get on the scale. A lot of people say, don't get on the scale every day. Don't get on the scale every day. It's important to track your weight. And um, if you're using like an in-body or a Garmin scale, which we sell um, right on Sea and Land Fitness, if you are tracking your weight, you want to have an understanding of this elastic type of uh, weight in terms of weight management so that you can get on the scale every day and you can understand that what that scale is giving you is data. That's all it's giving you. It's giving you information. And information should influence behavior, meaning not necessarily emotion. So we do kind of the opposite where we get on the scale and we go, oh crap, I weigh this. Oh, I just hate myself. And that's normal that everyone does that. I do it. Um, and in a perfect world, it, it, perfect world, it shouldn't be the case, but I understand that it is. But if you start to flip the perspective and start using it as data, as information, this is information that will initiate a behavior or cause an action. You know what I mean? Um, getting on a scale routinely can be very helpful. It's one of the things I went through with my wife and has helped her recognize what a scale is actually used for. So why am I bringing this up? Because I told you 225 to 235. That's my area that I want to be in. Right now I weigh 292 was the last. So what's that? About 70 pounds, right? That's a significant amount of weight. 70 to 60 pounds I have to lose. Um, it just happened. It just happened. I don't know why. Uh, well, no, I know exactly why I ate and didn't, uh, gauge what I was eating. I didn't eat with a purpose. Um, one of the things that I have is specifically that eating for load, eating for load is eating with a purpose, eating for the load that you're going to put on your body. It takes this much gas to drive to New York City. It takes this much gas to drive to Miami. It takes this much gas to drive to Dallas. We're not doing that with our bodies, are we? No, we're uh, going through the uh, going through the pantry and the refrigerator, looking for things to eat because our signals, hunger, are telling us I'm hungry, rather than have good things ready. Like I have a pasta salad that I make. That's actually an awesome episode that I can do. I'll do my nutrition, which will probably get a bunch of hate, but whatever. So I'm watching what I eat now uh, and I'm eating for load and I'm doing specific things to turn that 290 into a 225, 235. Um, but why did you all come here? You came here to learn about my workout program. So I'm trying to do something ridiculous, okay? Um, absolutely ridiculous. So I do this thing called the hanging power clean, 
I love them. They are so much fun to do. And I also do this thing called the overhead press. Okay, the overhead press with a barbell. Both of them are with a barbell. So another thing that I do are is is um, this thing called a 150. And I love 150s because from a conditioning perspective, I find with myself that there's nothing better that works for me. It may not work for you. It, a 150 may not be, you know, your thing. A 120 may be something better. Um, a 90 may be something better. And basically what a 150 is, is it's three exercises in one day, in one session. Um, three exercises, five sets of 10 reps. In between each rep, you get, uh, in between each set, you get a minute of rest. In between each exercises, you get three minutes. Why do you get that? Well, one, you want to restore what's called your ATP, okay, uh, and and your fuel levels. And you want to uh, ensure that you have the fuel in your cells. And I'm, and I'm really dumbing this down, really simplifying it, because it is a complex biological process. But long story short, you're taking rest in the shorter intervals to condition your body to be able to either inside the muscles themselves to generate changes or what are called adaptations so that the muscle gets used to this and develops ways through transforming little parts of the cells <coughs> into giving you more energy in a shorter amount of time. Now it takes time to do this, but once you do it, one of the cool things about conditioning for muscular endurance, which is what this does, is that it allows you to go, 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 go. And I don't mean necessarily go at, you know, a cougar's pace. Like you're not boom, taking off. Um, sometimes you can, but what it does is it helps you do the long over uh, overland slog, so to speak. It helps you have the energy consistently over a greater period of time. Now I balance this out with, um, I balance this out with some aerobic work to build what I call to do what I call building more mitochondria. So that's one of the things that I've been working, and it's a concept that I've been playing with um, in my workout and in some of my physiology research to see what its its effectiveness is. So I told you I do a 150. So on my Mondays and my Fridays, I do 50. Um, I do 50 hanging power cleans. Then I do 50 overhead presses. And for that, I just do a hanging power clean to start and then 10 presses. And then I bring it down. And then at the end of that, one of the things that's really great for muscular endurance is push-ups. And I do them on what are called parallel bars. And those are these little mini gymnastics bars. Rather than do them all the way at the ground, which will only bring me to here, 
I do them on the parallel bars, which will give me a larger range of motion. So I do 50 of those. And could I do more? Yeah, absolutely. But you try doing 50 push-ups at the end of a workout like that. Now, how much weight am I putting on that bar on Monday and Friday? Right now, I'm putting 75 pounds. Okay, so that's a 45-pound bar. Um, and then it's two tens and two fives, right? 15, 15. Yeah, we'll just say yeah. So I have a goal in this. And this is where it gets ridiculous. And I'll tell you what the goal is at the end. So next, I go in and I, uh, uh, in the middle of the week, also with the barbell, with the same amount of weight, because I'm really concentrating on that 75-pound working weight. Or what I'm using on Mondays and Fridays, I'm also squatting uh on Wednesday. Doesn't have to be a tremendous amount of weight. It's that weight or load over time. So I'm doing um, 50 front side barbell squats. Okay. So basically I'm doing the same thing I was before. I'm doing a hanging clean and then I squat 10 times. Take 30 seconds or take a minute. Squat 10 times and continue this out to 50. Then I do regular um, barbell back squats. And that's where it's hanging on the back of my shoulders, on the back of my neck, on my shoulders. And I do the same thing. I do the, uh, do the clean, do an overhead, and then bring it, and then just do my squats. And then f- to round out the 150, because that's 100, to round out the 150... I add 20 flutter kicks. So I think that's 200. My math is going to suck on this. So uh, 2 times 5 is, uh, yeah, we'll say 200. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. I I don't want to get it wrong, but I might get it wrong. But anyways, what I do is I do them elevated, I get on the uh, on the uh, uh, workout bench, and then I put my hands under my butt, and I lay back, and then I keep my feet up. And the count is one, one, two, one. One, one, two, two. And I do five sets of 20. Um, and it's awesome. It is so awesome. By the end of that, my all of my uh, uh, my core is just like, not wrecked, but like really, really feeling it. So I love that exercise. And that again is going to build not only strength, but muscular endurance. And if I add a component where I'm trying to get them done as fast as I can, that adds a power component too. So you see how a lot of times we'll work out for hypertrophy to increase the muscle mass or the the size of our muscles or you work out for muscular endurance, or you work out for, um, could be anything else, anaerobic, um, what is it, Uh, endurance, aerobic endurance. You could be doing any one of these. But what I'm doing is I'm kind of wrapping them all up into one whole thing. I'm going to get some flack for that. You're going to get, I'm a nerd. 
and I'm going to get other nerds who are going to be, you know, uh, bitten by this and, and, and upset by this. I'm prepared for that. It works for me. It may not work for everyone else. I acknowledge that. Now, I told you about endurance, right? We talked about muscular endurance. We talked about anaerobic endurance, and that's using uh, basically blood sugar, glucose, uh, as your fuel source. I'm paraphrasing. I know I'm simplifying. I know there's someone out there going, I can't believe you simplify. It's not just that. I know. This is for a mass market, not just for the academic world. So, anyways, <laughs> let me have another sip. Hold on. So, what do I do on my Tuesdays and Thursdays? You, you're probably asking. You filled out your Monday, Friday. That is your uh, clean days and your overhead press days. You talked about Wednesday, which is your squat day. What do you do on Tuesday and Thursday? Well, Tuesday and Thursday are awesome too because what I do is I go up to the pool um, and I get in the pool and I swim a half mile. I swim one half of it breaststroke and I swim the other half freestyle. So normally the way I would break it down is one end of the pool is breaststroke and the, the way back is uh, is a freestyle. Sometimes I'll do freestyle for form, so I'll do things where I touch my uh, thumb to my shoulder and then do a Superman straight out. Sometimes I'll just do it clean um, as fast as I can. And my breaststroke is what I use as like my rest time. So let's say I, I haul butt to one end of the pool doing a sprint in freestyle. I'll turn right around and go into a breaststroke and start pushing out co2 underwater blowing out bubbles as hard as i can so when i get up nice intake of o2 nice intake of air back under exhale and by the time i get to the other end of the pool i've had such a good exchange and i've reoxygenated my blood that a lot of the fatigue from that first sprint or second sprint or whatever lap it is um, is gone and so that's how one of the ways that I work on my aerobic endurance, which builds more mitochondria. Remember, we want to build more mitochondria so we can uh, create more ATP, take in more oxygen. The more oxygen we take in, the more processes and sim uh, uh, systems we can activate, use all of that. Um, so I'm trying to use uh, these muscles, which are the, uh, what are they? They're the type one, but also you're going to develop them in the type two, A and X muscles as well and all the other ones, um, but I'm simplifying it. Um, but you want to build more mitochondria. Mitochondria are these little work plants inside our cells, factories that just create energy. That's that's for for the purposes of working out that's what we need them for and that's why we need so many of them so then i get back from my swim and then i go up to the track at my son's old high school and i do a i run and the entire uh circuit is about two miles and what i do is i'll do one lap as a walk 
and then the second lap I run it. One lap is a walk, the second lap I run it. Um, and I'm doing that to develop aerobic uh, endurance, uh, to develop strength in my muscles to continue doing uh, a, a long-term uh, low-volume uh, run around the track. Why are we doing this? We're doing it to develop more mitochondria. We're doing it to develop, to develop a larger reliance on, um, on mitochondria and oxygen, uh, to create more what's called, remember I said it, ATP. Now I know I'm not doing a deep dive into this stuff. I actually have someone who's going to come on and talk about all of these things. Um, but I'm just trying to give you my reasoning for why I do it. So on my Tuesdays and Thursdays, I swim, take a little bit of a break to recover, and then I run. Um, now, that's pretty much what I do. It's a lot of stuff in one week. And then I balance school, my master's program at the University of Florida, Go Gators. Um, and I do all of that so that I can be in the best condition, physical conditioning, um, that I could possibly be in so that I can lose the weight to generate, uh, more lean muscle mass versus more adipose tissue, which isn't going to help me. Uh, it's not going to make me faster. It's not going to make me stronger. Um, it literally, for my body and for the purposes of what I do, it's dead weight. So I'm trying to get rid of it. Um, and that is, remember I was talking about building more mitochondria? Well, where do you think that mitochondria gets burned off? Or where do you think that fat gets burned off? It gets burned off in the mitochondria um, during beta oxidation. Also, another deep subject that I'm not really going to go into now. Um, but it will be easier for my body to lift the end weight that I want to if I'm not already carrying so much excess body weight. You understand what I mean? So wouldn't it be cool if I could lift the amount of weight that I want due to my bones, my joints, my musculature already having the experience and ability to carry the, the, the 290 pounds that I'm carrying, uh, not having that added weight on top of the weight that I want to lift. And that's why I want to reduce, um, my adipose, my body fat. Now, what is that weight? I know you're all waiting for it. What is that weight? This is ridiculous. And I've been working with Dr. Harrison, who was on the show. He's also uh, one of my professors. Um, and he literally is an expert in the field and trying to figure out how he can make this a reality. This power clean and overhead press weight that I want to do. So my weight, target weight that I want to get to is 225 pounds. That's where I want to get to. I, of course, have the range up to 235 because of fluctuations, and I understand that. But my goal 
is to get to 225 pounds in body weight. And that, in my idiot brain, seemed like, <laughs> seemed like a good weight to put as a goal for my power clean and my overhead press. And not only that weight, but that weight at five reps, or at 10 reps, five sets. <laughs> so that's my goal. 225 pounds, power clean, five sets of 10, 225 pounds, overhead press, five sets for 10 reps. Um, it, it, it really is an idiot goal, but I think I can do it. And I'm going to be using all of the tools in my arsenal. Um, I'm going to be using psychology to convince myself that I can do it. I'm going to be using physiology to get my body in shape so that I can do it. Um, I'm in shape, but I'm not in the shape that I need to be in order to do it. And then I'm also going to be using nutrition to ensure that I have the fuel in order to lift those weights for that time. And then finally, I'm going to be using rest and recovery to make sure that my cells are, uh, my, my body, my tissues um, are in the condition that they need to be right before doing it. Um, so yeah, 225 pounds power clean, 225 pounds overhead press. And that's also going to translate into 225 pounds, uh, front squat and, uh, barbell back squat, which, um, may not seem like a lot, but that's not a one rep max. That's five sets of 10 with very little rest. Um, so yeah, so that's it. So tell me what you think. Tell me uh, if you think it's an idiot goal. I think it, and and I know it's an idiot goal, so that's okay. But tell me what you think in terms of, can I do it? Um, I'm going to be putting it up on Instagram. I got a, uh, a GoPro that I was supposed to use for scuba diving and never wound up using it. Um, but I'm going to be using it in the gym in, in my garage. Uh to try to film some of this to give you guys to give you guys just some visual uh on what i'm doing and for help if you see something that i'm not doing correctly hit me uh hit me in the comments um and yeah so there you go that's my stupid goal uh <laughs> all right that's pretty much it um again this podcast is brought to you by sea and land fitness uh head on over there to get your Honey Badger merchandise. That's who you see in the picture behind me, too. Um, and I will see you on this road. So, all right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.